Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to study verses 5 through 12. Verse 5. Now I come to you when I pass through Macedonia. For I'm passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I would tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to you, for I am writing for him with the brethren. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come. And when he has a convenient time. So with this portion of scripture that we're going to be studying this morning, verses 5 through 12, we're going to be learning five lessons from Paul. Five lessons from Paul out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. The first lesson that we're going to learn, it's found in verses 5 and 6. The first lesson that we're going to be learning from Paul is found in verses 5 and 6. And the lesson is how Paul reveals his plans. Paul reveals his travel plans. Now you may be thinking, why is that significant? Oh, I want to tell you why. Wait a minute, let me tell you why. Notice with me verses 5 and 6. Paul writes, now I come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. So what Paul does, he informs the, the, the Corinthians. He informs the Corinthians of his uh, attentive plans that he has. And his plans are that, that he wants to pass through Macedonia. He wants to pass through Macedonia. And the reason why he wants to pass through Macedonia is he wants to make pit stops. And he wants to make pit stops there because he, he desires to spend time with the churches that the Lord led him to, to plant. And not only spend time with the churches, but spend time with the people there so he could bring encouragement to them. We know that according to Acts chapter 20, verse 1. Acts chapter 20, verse 1. It says, Paul sent for the disciples and, here it is, after encouraging them, said goodbye and sent out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to people. Speaking many words of encouragement to the people. Paul's heart was about speaking words of encouragement to people. Speaking words of encouragement to people. That grabbed Paul's heart and motivated Paul's heart to speak words of encouragement to people. Now, the word encouragement means, it means the action of giving someone support, giving someone confidence, or hope 
with your words or your presence. So Paul wants to pass through Macedonia, make pit stops at the churches to be with the people for the purpose of bringing encouragement, words of support to each and every single individual, words of confidence to each and every single people, words of hope and, and, and to grace him with his presence. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, Paul was blessed to interact with this man called Barnabas. Barnabas. Yes, Barnabas. The word Barnabas means encourager. There was a time in Paul's life that Barnabas came and spoke on Paul's behalf. You see, with Paul's life, his name used to be Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Now, Saul, he was on a mission, and his mission was to persecute Christians, throw them in jail. And it was a day where Jesus said, you know what, Saul, Saul, you're not going to touch my people. They are my people. I love them. For God always has his eye on his people. You need to know that. He never sleeps, never slumbers. And he watches those that try to persecute his children. He watches you. So there was a time in, in Paul's life, while well, his name was Saul during this time period, he was persecuting Christians. And, and, and Jesus asked him directly, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting them? Why are you persecuting me? And then the eyes of his understandings were illuminated and, and he, understand that he, he understood he needed the Lord to be his savior. And so in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 26, we see this interaction with Barnabas and, and Paul, and Barnabas speaking on his behalf to um, encourage other people that Paul's legit, he's a follower of Christ. In Acts 9, 26, it says, and when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, that's Paul, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple, but Barnabas, here it is, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas took Paul to the other <laughs> disciples. So I, I see Barnabas there bringing, bringing up Saul. There's Barnabas, there's Saul, there's the rest of the disciples, and Barnabas looks at the disciples and saying, hey, you guys, you boys, yeah, all of you, yeah, you too. You know, pay attention. This guy right here, he's legit. Man, he's been preaching about Jesus. What happened to Saul's heart at that point? What could have happened to Saul's heart when someone puts your, their arm around you and it encourages you, speaks on uh, the, the behalf of you, like a character reference, and, and brought a bunch of encouraging words to, 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 to Saul, it, it changed his life. Changed his life in such a way that he was wanting to let us know his traveling plans because <clears throat> in those traveling plans, he wanted to go visit people for the purpose to bring in, encouragement to them. 
I, I found oftentimes where when you choose to encourage someone else and they're a recipient of that encouragement, that support, building confidence inside of them, building hope inside of them, then they, in return, it's like discipleship. Then, in turn, they bring encouragement to other people because that's exactly what happened with the dynamic with, between um, Barnabas and, and Paul. Now, Paul is going and he's spreading the love and encouragement to, to other people. I pray that you and I would be a Barnabas, would be a Paul, that we would intentionally each and every single day, find someone that we could support. Find someone that we could speak words of life into them to boost their confidence and ultimately provide hope for them, especially if they're in a hopeless situation. God wants us to be encouragers. God wants us to use our tongue to speak words of life. For the Proverbs say in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, life and death are in the power of the, the tongue. The tongue. So may our tongue be redeemed by the Lord that we would purposely speak words of life to others. Reminds me of a story of where... Many years ago, I had an opportunity to give Bible students, uh, Bible, Bible studies to students um, at a public school, uh, Ramona School in, in, uh, in the city of Chino. And um, so I would go to the front office, um, sign in, you know, write my name, Chili Willy. No, I didn't write Chili Willy. Conejo. <laughs> no. Um, so I would sign my name in, right? And then um, I would pass by the, the principal's office. And I remember one day passing by the, the principal's office, just Thanking God I'm not sitting in there. <laughs> and besides that, but he has something on his, on his um, door that, that really caught my attention. And what he had on his door was a, a list of 100 words to encourage students. And so I saw that, and I asked him about it because it caught my attention. And I said, I, I really like this. Where did you get this at? The Internet. <laughs> you could pull it up on the Internet. And I said, so how do you put this in practice? He says, every day I look at one of them and I go out there in the students and I find students and put it into practice. So this pretty sounds pretty simple and pretty straightforward to me. And that really spoke to, to my heart. I believe a lot can change when we choose and to decide to be intentional about speaking words of life. And may it start within our own house to our, our, our spouses, if you are married, to our children, if you have children, um, or if, if you're not married, that you would find somebody and that you would choose each day to speak words of life to them. And, and that's what, what, what Paul did. So that's the first lesson that I see about Paul that we could apply to our, our life, that he wanted to go and remain with them for the purpose of bringing words of encouragement to them. Secondly, we're going to notice in verse 7, the second lesson to learn from Paul in verse 7 is that Paul leaves his plans to the will of the Lord. Notice with me in verse 7 where it says, For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you. Here it is, if the Lord permits. You may want to underscore that in your Bible. 
That is such an important phrase for a child of God to have in their vocabulary on a regular basis. If the Lord permits. You see, Paul planned to go through the region of Macedonia and and, 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 he, and he said these words, um, as he said that, um, in the same breath, he said, I, I plan to come if the Lord permits. You see, Paul had a plan. Paul had a purpose. You know, he, 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 he wrote it all down, or he had it thought out within his mind, his ministry plan. But he knew that he was going to be completely obedient to the Lord's direction. It's important to, to have a plan, but yet it's subject to the Lord's guidance and the Lord's direction because Father knows best, right? He sees the bigger picture. And, and so may we have our plans and say, Lord, here are my plans, Lord, but I submit them to you for ultimately your step of approval. And, and I'm not going to be so rigid that I'm going to be doing this but, Lord, I want to be open to your Holy Spirit. And when we're open to the, the Spirit, it's an adventure. And that's what I, I love about um, Pastor Chuck Smith. He's with Jesus. Now, he used to speak about this on a regular basis, to be open to the Spirit of the Lord because he wants to take you on an adventure of faith. And, and you need to wake up each day thinking, okay, I'm going to go. If you're a student, I'm going to be going to school. And I have these classes but it's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. Because there may be a, a particular student that the Lord wants you to speak to or even a faculty member because you are, are his representative there. It may be at, at work at the, at the, um, where, where you work at. Yeah, you, you wake up and that, that alarm clock goes off or I know people are using their phones now with their alarm clocks and, and, um, and it wakes up and you're like, oh, I can't throw that phone, it'll break and I need that phone because I need phone calls, but I don't like that sound, but I gotta go because I have to go to this environment that it's not pleasant and the people there, um, it's just really not um, healthy, but I gotta go there and provide f food for my family and, and, um, and I need to go. But what, what if? Soon as soon as that alarm goes off and, and your, 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 your feet hit the ground and, and right away you pray, Lord, um, uh, fill me with your Holy Spirit this day. Lord, I want to be armored up today, Lord, and, and I'm going to a mission field because I am your ambassador. Show me who to speak words of encouragement today to. Show me, Lord, what you have for me. And so everything is open before the Lord because in a very real sense, we are like his agents here on earth. We, 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 we are his hands. We are his feet. We are definitely his heart to other people. We're his ambassadors. We represent. A lot of people are going to be representing the 49ers today, as well as the Chiefs and, and, other, and other teams. And that's so cool. That's all right. But the team that we represent is Team Jesus. And, 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 and so that, that's who we are connected with. And, and so may we never forget that, that we would be his eyes and his ears and he, and he, and he will direct us. In the Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, in his heart, a man plants his course. It's good to have plans, obviously, but the Lord determines his steps. Never forget that. It's good to have a, a, a plan for a year and five years. It's good to do that. It's, it's wise to do that versus, you know, you, you speak to your kids or you speak to somebody and say, hey, what's your plan? After high school, well, I don't know. <laughs> and it's good to have some plans or to 
foster some ideas with them and then they own their own decision as you kind of help them come to the conclusion of what they want to do or wherever, whatever they may be. But ultimately, we, we pray for the Lord's direction because the Lord does definitely have a direction. He does. And what Paul did is he made it abundantly clear that his, his own plans were subject to the Spirit's leading. That was his life. He spoke about that on a regular basis. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I like this um, psalm, Psalms 32.8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I like this part. I will guide you with my eye. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some, and this may be in here too, there, there's some relationships where um, uh, um, uh, a husband and a wife, they, they definitely guide each other with their eye. <laughs> so maybe they're in a gathering and uh, the wife or the husband just looks at them and kind of gives them that, that eye. You know that eye, that eye that says, it's time to go. <laughs> and what are they doing? They're guiding you with their eye, right? Oh, may we just have that relationship with the Lord and the, in tune with the Spirit of God that and the word of God that he would just guide us with his eye and says, my son, I want you to go there and talk to that person. My daughter, I want you to go there and, and bring in words of encouragement, just livers of, of, rivers of, of living water and just splash it upon them because they're, they're down today. And so God wants to use us. God wants to lead us. So, so may our day uh, be moving forward. And I know many of you, you love Jesus, and this is a way, a way of life for you. If it's not a way of life for you, I pray that it will be implemented this day when you leave today, that you will lay everything at the Lord's feet. You have your plans, of course, but you say, Lord, may your will be done on earth as you already have it established in heaven. Because in heaven, God already has the plan already down. It's down by God. But we need to be aware of the plan and that we need just to follow his steps. And I believe that the Lord uses people right in the areas that, that you're in. If you, whatever neighborhood you, you live in, you know, Montclair, Chino, Chino Hills, Pomona, Fontana, wherever, Mexico, wherever, wherever you live at, and that, that God will use there. If you, um, uh, at home, God will use you there. If you're working in school, if you're a baseball coach, football coach, um, or, or any coach, um, that, that God will use you in that area where you're at, and that you just see, Lord, who do you want me to um, encourage today that will be known as a Barnabas in life? That's a good, good, a good way to be known for. So if someone speaks at your celebration of life service, and they will say, this person served the Lord. That's what it's all about when it's all said and done, isn't it? This person came alongside me. This person loved me. This person was for me. This person showed their love by the food that they, they, they served us in, and they, they cared. And, and we will never forget that. Let's make an eternal impact in people's lives. And God wants us to do that. Not just an impact. You know, you, you, um, I like sports like probably the, the average guy. You know, there's some guys who are like, man, that, that guy can, man, the way he, he, he dribbled the ball or the, the way uh, he, he, he was intent under pressure. And, man, he could hit those three like no one else. Those are, those are good, good um, uh, reminders about, 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 a, about a person. But, but what about when they took it a step further involved in charities? I, I like to hear about that. 
Um, not, not only one how they, they changed a game of basketball. That's, that's all well and done, like, like Kobe did. But I, I want to learn, learn about the charities he was involved in, how he impacted his wife and girls. That captures me. You know, to, to be uh, a dad girl, that's huge. That is huge, how we impact other people. And we encourage them for the sake of eternity. And the Lord wants us to do that. The Lord wants us to come to him on a regular basis and say, Lord, I prayerfully submit my plans to your will. And James chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go and do this, or at that city, spend a year there, carry on our business, and we're going to make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away? It's a vapor that just vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or that. Same, same wording, if the Lord's will, if the Lord permits. So wherever you, you go moving, moving forward, if, you know, you, you want to go to Mammoth with the church, and we, I would love for all you guys go to Mammoth, and, and especially if you have little boys, you know, to go and, and fishing. I remember when um, I took um, my, my son fishing, put his fishing pole in there, second, literally seconds away, got, 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 um, got, got, caught a fish, and, uh, and someone took a picture of that, and, and I have that picture to my day. Wonderful memories. You know, you go and take the kids and, and hiking and so they could throw rocks at you and sticks. <laughs> I don't know what it is, boys and rocks and sticks. It just kind of um, happened. So, so uh, I would love for you guys to go there. But, oh, you're like, why am I? <laughs> I'm thinking this while I'm talking. Like, why am I saying that for? Well, you know what? So if you want to go, you, you may be also you're saying if the Lord wills, if the Lord permits. Or, or next week someone that says, hey, do you want to do this? Add, add that in there. Hey, if the Lord wills, I'll do this. If the Lord permits, it's biblical. It's biblical to, to say that phraseology within your vocabulary. Whatever you plan to do, hey, I'm going to be going this, I'm going to be doing that if the Lord wills, if the Lord permits. And that's what, what, what Paul did. And it's never wrong to, to make plans. Of course, we have to make plans. It's a responsibility that we, we, we need to. We just can't say, oh, we can do it. Oh, I don't know. Whatever's clever, as long as it goes with the weather. That's what I'm going to be doing. No, no, we, we have to have plans, right? But we're saying, yeah, this is what, what, what I desire to do, but it's subject to the Lord's leading, whatever the Lord's will, and because the Lord knows best. Now, the third lesson, there's five of them. The third lesson to, to learn from Paul, we're going to see in verses 8 and 9 is that Paul walks through God's open door. I like that. He walks through God's open door, not his open door, not a door he pushed down, but God's open door. He walked through in verses 8 and 9. speaks about that. But I will tarry in, in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul said he's going to be, Tearing in Ephesus. What does that mean to tearing in Ephesus? He's just going to be kicking it in Ephesus. That's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be hanging out in Ephesus because the Lord has given him an open door to minister there. And we know that according to Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, the Lord was moving in a powerful, in a powerful way in the church of Ephesus. His spirit was, was, was being poured out. Acts chapter 19, verse 20 speaks about that. The word of the Lord was growing 
mightily. It was prevailing. It, God's spirit was moving. People were in love with Jesus and were sharing the love of Jesus with other people. The church of Ephesus. Oh, the church of Ephesus. That may have just ring, rung a bell to you right now. You're saying, isn't the church of Ephesus um, in, the, um, uh, in the book of Revelation? Isn't that one of the seven churches? By the way, when, as soon as we finish the book, book of um, uh, of Second Corinthians, which I think next week we'll, we'll be finishing this book, we're we're going to be studying the seven the seven churches of Revelation, and uh, it's an intense that I started reading it, reading, getting excited about it because those church. Oh, I just got tired right now. Okay, so the churches. No, it's so cool because the churches, the seven churches, they they represent all the churches of um of the, that's in the world today. But not only the the, the characteristics of those churches. Um, what they represent the churches of the world, but they also re- represent individual lives. You could find yourself in one of the churches. So back to our study. Okay, so the church of Ephesus in, the, in Revelation, you all know what happened in the church of Ephesus, right? They left their first loved. They didn't lose it. They left it. They didn't foster it. And that's why in Jude 21, before you get to Revelation, the last words of Jude in Jude 21, with his my life, life verse, by the way, I, I encourage you to have life verse, and, and I'll share, I'll share my life verse with you if you want to have that one too, that's, that's cool. Um, so Jude 21 says, keep yourself in the love of Christ. It's our responsibility, it says, to keep yourself in the love of Christ. It's just like a person that, that gets married. You know, they, they have a, a wedding ring on, and they, they have it on, and it's just a, a symbol to remind them of the vows that, that they, uh, they made to each other. I have officiated many, many weddings, many weddings. And I always say this in a wedding ceremony. And weddings are, are beautiful. Yeah, they are, right? So weddings, and so, so, and so they'll share their vows. And sometimes they have their, their personal vows that they want to share to, to, uh, to one another. And then I say, uh, do you, do you, do you uh, seal the, the, the giving of these promises with a ring? And they'll say, yeah. And so, um, so we, we get the ring, and then we just speak about it. And I, and I share that with the couple. I normally say this. I said, whenever you look at your ring, let it remind you of the vows that you just made today. Remind yourself that, that you love this person. They're not your enemy, by the way. They're not your enemy. And um, how do you fall back in love? Well, in the book of Ephesus, oh, I wish we could teach the book of Ephesus today. But when we teach the book of Ephesus, it says to remember, repent. It's the three R's. Remember, repent, and return. Remember. Remember when you started dating that person. Remember how you used to get them flowers. Remember how you used to get them chocolates and eat a few beforehand and put the rest back in the box and give it to them. Remember how you used to call them and text them and... And now they use these other social media um, ways to, to, to connect, um, snap at each other. Um, <laughs> kind of says, like, ah, I'm going to snap at you. <laughs> See, my day, when you see someone snap at you, they're going to, like, slap you or, like, bark at you. But Snapchat, so you chat by snapping at them. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so remember and then repent. Say, Lord, forgive me on my part, my part. I used to bring them a flower. I used to say I love you every day. I, I used to do this, and I need to return. 
And we, a lot of times you, you, you can't predict their behavior, but you're called to do your part. And then when you do your part, Lord willing, it will spark in them. And then they respond to love. It's responding, the respect and love. And then there is a healthy cycle of love that, that, that occurs. So, oh, the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus. So they needed to get back to the to their love of the Lord. And Paul was ministering during, the, during this time period in the church of Ephesus where God's spirit was just moving in a powerful way. And so may we always stay in a sweet spot with the spirit and, and saying, Lord, may my heart always be devoted to you. May I be open to your will. May I share your words, encouragement to, to, to other people. And the Lord does open doors. And that's what happened in verses eight and nine. Paul walked through this open door. And also in the, the book of uh, in Revelation 2, in the, the church of uh, Philadelphia, uh, the church of uh, Philadelphia, um, there the Bible says in, in chapter 3, verse 8, it says, See, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. And I believe that the Lord does that. And I believe that God has done that for many of you. And I believe that this year God's going to be opening doors for you. And no, if a door shut uh, to you recently, hey, that's okay. Don't be discouraged. May, may a Barnabas of a type of person come to you and speak words of life to you. Because that, that, what that really means is that a door closed for you. Guess what's going to happen? Another door eventually is going to open to you. You know that from the history of your life. That happened maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Or that may happen to, in, a, in a place where it was someone else's life. And they'll come alongside you, speak words of life to you and say, brother, it's okay. Or sister, it's okay. That happened to me once upon a time. So what I did in the meantime was saying, Lord, would you um, guide me and lead me and may your will be done. And, and because we just see the here and now with the, with the, within our eyes. But, but no, if something is closed, eventually something is going to be opened up. And that's what happened to Paul. An open door um, happened um, for, for Paul. And I do believe that there's opportunities for us to walk through open doors. Walk through those open doors. God wants to use you. God, God wants your, your life to, to really make an impact for eternity's sake. So step through those open doors. You be used by the Lord. We only have one life to live, and it's going to soon pass. And only what you do for Christ will last. So get involved in, in kingdom building and kingdom work and be used mightily by the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to use you. And so Paul says, verse 8 and 9, that a door opened for him. And at the ending of verse 9, he says, not only a door opened for me, but also what opened for me are many adversaries. He speaks about that, how many adversaries um, occurred. You know, I have found out something. And you're like, okay, Joe, what, what did you find out? <laughs> I have discovered that oftentimes when, when God opens a door and, he, and <clears throat> you're being used by him and, and you're ministering, adversaries come. Man, bugs come out you know, the woodwork and, and they, they, these little gnats you know, try to bother you, these, these adversaries. And it is a consistent pattern. When you are stepping out in faith, when you're being used by God and you're excited and, and it just it convicts them because they're not excited. They, they're, they're still in the boat. They're, they like kicking back in the boat. This boat's nice. This boat's good. You know, I think of the disciples, you know, they're, they're kicking in the boat, having a good old time. And then Peter's like, I'm later, guys, you guys are I'm tired of talking fish stories with you and cracking jokes about fish. And you know what? I'm going to be stepping out of this boat. 
And I can imagine they're pulling his leg back. Get back in this boat. <laughs> you know, people don't like people to step out in faith and make a difference. Because you make them feel uncomfortable. Because you're, you're doing something with your life. And so oftentimes when a door opens, adversaries come out too to discourage you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despise even our life. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, and that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So when you are feeling like death is upon you because adversaries, negativity is happening, oh, God will raise you back up. God will encourage you. God will show himself strong on your behalf in the midst of adversaries. What is adversaries, by the way? Adversaries means to have conflict from people. It means that people bring disputes against you. Expect it. It's part of it. Any leader in any organization, you're going to get it. It's part of it. But that's healthy. Now, I personally don't like it. I don't like being talked about. I don't like wake up. Oh, yeah, you know, someone talks about you. I don't like that. But you know what it does? It, 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 it just reminds me that um, I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do. It causes me to evaluate it. It causes me just to want to hear his words for my life and taking it to the Lord and saying, Lord, is there any truth in this, by the way, Lord? And so it causes you to bring it to the Lord, causes you to evaluate it, and then the Lord confirms it for you, what you're, doing, what you're supposed to be doing, and you're doing it for his glory anyways. He affirms that, and, 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 he gives you, and he gives you that affirmation. And ultimately, you find your identity in Jesus Christ because everything you do is for the glory of God anyways. And then you realize, Lord, show me insight. Why, why am I roughing some feathers? Well, it's because you're stepping out. And you, you actually are making a difference. You see what happens in, in Paul's life during this time period in, in, in Ephesus. There were a lot of people that they were making these little statues of idols. And they were making all kinds of money. People were coming in day and night and buying these, these idols. And so Paul was preaching the gospel. The, the spirit of God was moving. People were falling in love with Jesus and not in love with idols anymore. So the people that were making their idols, they, they got upset. They were like, oh, this, this guy, Paul, you're hurting my pocketbook, Paul. Dude, don't mess with my pocketbook. And so they, speak, they spoke about Paul, and they, they were um, persecuting Paul because believers are not um, following an idol anymore. They're following the king and kings and lord and lords now. And they weren't making a lot of profits, so they got upset at Paul. You see, Paul loved souls. Paul loved people. Paul didn't, and you're like Paul in this way, you don't want people to be taken advantage of because people want to take advantage of others. I can't help but think. I was thinking not to say this. One of my kids was saying, are you going to say this? I'm going to say it. Okay. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? Commercials. I know I talked about this before. I looked it up. A 30-second commercial. Somebody throw out a number. What do you think a 30-second commercial costs for Super Bowl Sunday? Right. You're right. So, yeah, you looked it up to you, huh? You're curious as well. 5.6 million dollars. I don't even, I can't even wrap my 
had around a couple thousand dollars, but $5.6 million for 30 seconds. I could hold my breath for 30 seconds. <laughs> You're going to, you, because, okay, this is, these CEOs, they, they have this corporate meeting with their cappuccinos and they're just talking about it. Why do they do that? Because they know this is a day where millions upon millions of people are all at the same time viewing this commercial. And what they're trying to do is they're, they're promoting their product to cause you to be discontent, to cause you to say, I want that product. Oh, my life is not intact. If I don't have this product, I have to have this product. This product is going to satisfy me. No, Jesus is going to satisfy you. Yeah, he will meet your needs, not your greeds. He will take care of you. And so for people to, to use like kind of a bait to cause people's hearts to be inclined to have something that they're putting $5.6 million to the table and, and hoping in the next few weeks that there's a, a, a profit return for that commercial that they, they made, that's what's happening. Now, I have to admit, some of the commercials are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but... But I just don't like people to be used. That's my heart. Taken advantage of. And so that was Paul's heart. Paul cared for, for souls. And they were their adversaries. They were getting mad at Paul. He, they were causing Paul conflict because he was speaking the truth and love to them. And so there's always adversaries. I've learned that there's three adversaries that we all encounter. Three adversaries that we all encounter. Number one. Number one, we encounter the adversary of the enemy. The Bible says he's like a lion seeking who he may devour, swallow up. And so he's like looking around and he will take you when you, uh, when you are vulnerable. Not only that, we have the enemy, but we have our flesh as an adversary. Our flesh does not want to serve God. Our, 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 there's a war going on and we need to submit to the spirit of God and the Lord. And then we have the enemy of the, this world, the thinking of society, where people pay money so you can watch things to try to hook you and bait you and draw you in. We have to be careful for that. And I'll throw one more out there, too, another adversary. We, we could even have adversaries from our brethren when they get threatened by you. Like, what? You're, you're going to be a Bible study leader? You're going to be doing this? You're going to be doing that? And they get uncomfortable I thought we're supposed to be coming alongside people and be helpers of their joy, not to tear them down. And I, 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 I don't get too happy uh, as a pastor when there's friendly fire within the body of Christ. Because imagine, the, the, imagine the, um, our Heavenly Father, he doesn't like when his children, you know, bicker at one another. Some of you are parents, right? One of the worst things that, that I don't like in, in my household is when my kids kind of get at it one another. I don't like that. I want us to be in harmony and unity. And, and so, so the church should be the, this, the same way. The church should be in the same way. So there, there are adversaries. So we recognize them, and we don't get down on them, but we persevere uh, through them. How do we do that? By keeping our eyes on Christ, knowing our purpose from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our purpose in life during difficult times is to know that I'm a child of God. My purpose is to know him and make him known. And my identity is not found in man, but my identity is found in the Messiah, 
the way I think about myself is not the way this person says I'm supposed to think about myself, but the way the Lord thinks about me because I am fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord. I'm, I, he died upon the cross for me. Therefore, that puts value upon my life because he died for me. And so I'm valuable as a child of God. And so the way I view myself is the way he views me. And then I'm called to keep myself feeding on the faithfulness of the Lord through his word and to bring his encouraging words to other people. And that's what my life's all about. That's what our life is all about. Now, number four, we need to con- we still have communion to take too. <coughs> See, why does it have to be Super Bowl Sunday? Too many things to talk about Super Bowl Sunday. Okay, fourth lesson. Um, verses 10 and 11. We, we are almost done. Verses 10 and 11, the fourth lesson to, to learn about, um, about Paul. Um, verses 10 and 11. And, and if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace that he may come to, uh, to you, for I'm writing for him with the brethren. So the fourth lesson that we're going to learn is that Paul is encouraging the church to receive Timothy. Paul is encouraging the church to receive um, Timothy. Paul is sending Timothy to them, and he urges them to, to receive him with, with open arms, with a warm heart. You see, Paul loved Timothy. He loved Timothy so much that he even called him his son in the faith. We know that according to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says, this is my son in the faith. This is my, my son that I, that I poured the, the gospel into. His soul was converted, and um, I have discipled him, and, and he has the same heart um, as me. And, and that, that, that's what Paul said at the ending of verse um, 10. He said about him, he does the work of the Lord. And when you have someone that does the work of the Lord like, like Paul does, Paul said, you're like a son to me. We think the same. Our heart is driven in the same way. We care for people. And we know that also according to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul wrote in Philippians 2, 19, he wrote, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So Timothy was one that went out, that, 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 that went out and, um, and, and he served the Lord like, like, like Paul did. There's something interesting to also point out that ending uh, at the beginning of verse 11, he says, therefore, let no one despise him. So when, when uh, he told the Corinthians, he said, hey, Corinthians, guess what? My son in the faith, Timothy, is going to come to you, and, and I don't want anyone to despise him. The word despise means to look down upon, to not look down a, a, upon him. And it, it's interesting that he uses a word to, to, um, to that no one would despise him because those are the same words that he actually echoed to Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believer in word, in your conduct, in spirit, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So the question is, is how do you not have someone despise you? And even in your life, how do you have someone not look down on you? How does that happen? Well, well, it happens when you have a heart and a passion for the kingdom of God. And you have a heart and a passion for the kingdom of God. And you are a, his example in those six areas. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, there are six areas that you're an example in. I'll quickly name them. You're an example in the word. 
What does it mean to be an example in the word? That, well, this refers to not only loving the, the word of God, but that you speak kind words to other people, that you see your, your tongue as, a, as an instrument to bless people, not to hurt people. Number two, you're an example in your conduct. What does it mean to be an example in your conduct? This speaks about how you live, how you conduct yourselves, because people are watching you. Number three, we're called to be an example in love. This is huge. Jesus says, for the people will know me by your love. So this is in reference of being a loving person, loving people. Why? Because they're made in the image of God, and the Lord loves them, so therefore you have to love them too. Now, number four, being an example in spirit. This, this could mean having a godly attitude, a godly spirit, an attitude of life. Um, being optimistic, and it also could be meaning um, to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You're one that you walk in the Spirit. You, you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number five, you're an example of faith. You're an example in your faith. This could mean that you're living out your faith and that you trust the Lord. You walk by faith and not by sight. And lastly, it says to be an example in purity. This is in reference that, that you are not intentionally living in sin. You have a life of purity, a life of holiness. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, we're going to conclude now with the fifth lesson to learn from Paul in verse 12. The fifth lesson to learn from um, Paul from verse 12. And Paul interacts with Apollos. Verse 12. Now, concerning our brethren Apollos, I strongly urge him to come to you with the brethren. But he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. I appreciate that, that scripture. I, I, I appreciate that scripture a lot because Paul strongly urged Apollos. There's a conversation going on. Hey, Apollos. Yeah, Paul, what's up? I don't know if he said what's up. But Paul, yes. I, I strongly urge you to, to come with the brethren. We're going to be going to uh, th th this area. And I, I want you to, to, to go with us. Go, go with us over there. And Apollos says, you know what? Um, I'll, I'll go later. I like that. He's honest. The, perhaps the Lord was leading him. It was the Lord's will that he didn't go um, right there, right, right then and, and now. And I love that Paul, at that point, didn't lord over his faith. Paul didn't, like, jump on him and grab his head and kind of, you're going to come. Grab his ear. You're coming. You know, he didn't do that to him. He didn't lord over his faith. But he gave space to Apollos to come when he was able you know, the Bible speaks about lording over people's faith. It's a sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 says, Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith that you stand firm. Lording over people's faith is not from the Lord. It's loving people. Jesus says, I want you to love my sheep, not beat my sheep. Not to lord over them, but to, to love them. And so no one should ever, ever have their, their faith lorded over or made or, or may to feel guilty because they're not doing what you tell them to do. Oh, I want you to do this for the Lord. If you do this for the Lord, if you don't do it, he's going to be disappointed with you. No, the Lord's not disappointed with you. You sit at his feet, drink in his, his love. And know who you are. It's not about doing for the Lord. It's about being in the Lord. Being rooted and grounded in the Lord. And that I've learned uh, when you are abiding in Christ, which what Jesus said to do in John 15, we are abiding in him. He's going to lead you with his eye. He's going to put his desires in your heart. And he'll lead you where you're supposed to serve. 
He will do that. So no one's like grabbing you like, oh, no, you better hear, you better stay at this church or you better do this or you better do that. You're, you're, you're crossing the line over there, buddy, when you're doing that kind of thing. Paul, Paul didn't do that with Apollos. And he said he encouraged him to go. He put it out there, but he didn't bear witness with it. So he, 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 didn't, he didn't take that bait. And so no one should ever lord over someone's faith or making them feel guilty because they're not doing something um, that you think that they're supposed to do. And um, God's spirit has their number. God has their text number. <laughs> and, you know, God will get a hold of them um, if, they, if they need to be. And so know that uh, spiritual abuse is, 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 should not be conducted in God's holy church whatsoever. So we, we learn these five lessons, and may these five lessons be applied to our life. May we be people. May we be people that speak words of encouragement to other people, speak words of life to other people. And then may we be people, if you don't say this already, to add this phrase within our vocabulary that we will say, if the Lord wills. Yeah, I want to do that. That sounds good. I want to play basketball, you know, if the Lord wills, but I want to go, man, if the Lord wills, or I want to do this or that, if the Lord wills. And so may we start saying that within our words and that we will be people that we will walk through the open doors of the opportunities that, that presents itself to us by the Lord. And then we will be examples of a believer that we will show uh, people how, what a believer looks like. And finally, that we won't lord over people's faith, but we'll be helpers of their joy. Let's pray.